nurses, did you know that Nurse.com is the ultimate destination for all nurses? It's where you can find your nurse life in one place. That's right. Everything from networking with your peers and continuing education to industry news and career opportunities. It's all there for you. Nurse.com is your dedicated platform to explore a wide range of job opportunities from all across the nation. Whether you're a fresh graduate testing the waters or a seasoned pro desiring for a change in scenery, we've got you covered. Nurse.com forward slash jobs features posts from entry level to executive leadership in every practice setting, even in specialties you might not have considered. So why wait? Leverage your skills and passion in an opportunity worthy of both. Visit nurse.com forward slash jobs today and initiate your journey towards the next chapter in your nursing career. Hey, nurses. Welcome to the Nurse.Podcast, giving nurses validation, resources, and hope one episode at a time. Joining us today, we have not one, not two, but three incredible nurses. First up, Andrea Dalzell, followed by Felicia Sadler, and then last but not least, Holly Kalua. These are nurses, each with their own set of experiences and insights. And in this episode, we will take a deep dive into what they consider vital when looking for career growth and change in nursing. I'm your host, Kara Lunsford registered nurse, and VP of Community at Nurse.com. Let me just start off by saying that when I met you for the first time at the Nurse Power brunch... (laughs) And I had been following you, Holly Blue, like my my account Holly Blue had been following you forever and ever. And then, of course, now Holly Blue is nurse.com. And I, to- I told you, I was like, oh, I'm totally fangirling right now. I'm like having my own like little fangirl moment. I Because you are just this incredible inspiration. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, for so many Because talk about obstacles and having to overcome adversity and how you have leaned into that and allowed it to help make you the person you are today is just really beautiful. So I just wanted to start by saying that before I have you introduce yourself to the audience, I just wanted to say the seated nurse, if you're not following that account, you're missing out. Just I appreciate it. that. I do. I do. All right. So start out start out with just introducing yourself to our lovely audience, and then we'll kind of get into a little bit about what looking for a job has been like for you. Yeah. And and we'll and we'll kind of dig into that. Yeah, sure. So my name is Andrea Dalzell, and I am affectionately known as the seated nurse. And that is because I am the first person to go through a a nursing program with the use of a wheelchair in New York State. I'm not the first in the nation, but I am one of very few. And I have been 
even smaller group of those of us who are speaking out about disabilities within the nursing profession and bringing some light over to understanding that the profession is so vast that we shouldn't be closing the door on our nursing students with disabilities. So ensuring that the door is open for others to be able to to come into the profession and not have to just be worried about having the stigma of having to be healthy, uh, whatever quote unquote healthy is in order to be a nurse. Absolutely, because we already have a shortage. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I, I like to say we have a shortage of nurses willing to work in this current environment. I don't necessarily think we have a shortage of people. It's just a shortage of people willing to work in that type of environment, which has not been healthy for ever and ever and ever, but has gotten worse. (laughs) I love to say, who knows it better than the patient who's been there 24-7 for most of their life? I mean, we literally can do the nurses and the CNAs and the doctor's jobs in our sleep because we have been immersed into that environment our entire lives. Now, imagine me being a five-year-old child being diagnosed with transverse myelitis, leaving me unable to walk by the time I was 12 years old. So between five and 12, I have one perspective of what it looks like to be a consistent patient. And then from 12 to now, I'm I'll I'll give my age away. I'm 35. Um, Having had 38 surgeries, numerous hospital stays, multiple teams of of healthcare workers working on me to to give me the life that I have today, right? To give me life. I don't want to say give me the life that I have. I've created the life. Give me life that I have today. And then be able to turn around and enter back into the profession and do that for someone else. I mean... There's there's just a world of experience that we don't tap into for those that do be do make that turn and come back into the profession. And yeah, that's a perfect example of empathy. Right. So as nurses, I would say that we tend to be empathic people. But if you haven't truly experienced something, the most you can really draw from is maybe compassion, sympathy, but not necessarily empathy. So what you're able to draw from is actual empathy. You've been there. You've experienced it. You've been on both sides of that bed. So now you, you're you on the caring side. But I'm sure that you're still a patient. So it's a disservice to the profession when we don't open up our minds and our hearts and see the potential of what people can bring and not just see them for their limitations, not just see them for what they can't do or what's going to be difficult for them to do, but instead, what is the massive amount of benefit that they are able to bring to the table? What are some of the things that maybe their colleague can do who have a different set of mobility versus you know, how do we team up? How do we become better teammates? Or even, so or that, even understanding right? or, or, or giving a different lens to how something is done. We all know, we, lo- we love to joke in nursing that like, you know, the way I will put together this, this whole IV setup is going to be different than how the next four nurses are going to do their IV setups. And they will all probably be standing and they will all be able to reach now let's put the short stature nurse there. Let's put the nurse that's using a wheelchair there. Let's put the nurse that maybe has a limb difference. 
and watch them now have 10 different nurses doing an IV setup completely differently. And none of them are wrong. It's just different, different ability. And we're opening up that perception too. I love that. I'm going to go back really quick because one of the things that really stood out to me when I talked to you and when I, I listened to you speak was just about the number of interviews that you had to go through in order to get a job. Yeah, I think that this is such a pivotal moment right now because, you know, October is the National Disability Employment Awareness Month. And let's throw it back to uh, 2018. I had just finished uh, my ADN program and I am in New York City. So you know that there's jobs. It's urban city. I can I should be able to find something, but then also put in the fact that I have a physical disability of sitting in a wheelchair. My grades were always great throughout school. I had to get through nursing school. So I mean, hey, uh, and I passed my boards on the first try. So I'm expecting (laughs) that I'm going to land a job. And I wanted clinical practice because my hope and my dream at one point was to become a CRNA. So that's what my focus was. And I was like, okay, well, I have to have clinical practice in order to get there. You have to have a certain amount of hours and certain specialties, and you have to start somewhere. So that would be like ED, med surge, the the common areas that our professors are telling us we have to get into, and then being told that I would only get a desk job. And then that started to flow as I was doing the interviews for all of these clinical positions, starting in rehabs, starting in different clinics, just outpatient clinics. I was told that I couldn't get the job. So 76, 76 clinical interviews. Um, That's not including the outside interviews for desk jobs. That is just 76 clinical placement jobs. So let's just sit with that for a second, because what I don't want to happen is I don't want for us to breeze by that number. Yeah. Like we got to sit with that for a second, because everyone who's listening right now, I want you to take, take that in. 76 clinical interviews. Yeah. I would say 99% of nurses will never have to experience that. I mean, I know them firsthand for those that have visible disabilities. I know that they face a lot of this backlash and then they, they give up by the time they get to interview 15, they're like, they're done with it. And they'll just take the desk job because we have bills to pay. Yeah. You know, I was lucky. I, I, I have a supportive family. Um, I didn't have to necessarily rely on so many school loans, but at the same time, we have bills. And, I, and who can go through 76 interviews without having some type of a job? And that's a great segue into exactly why we're doing this episode, because I like to assume, I, I tend to assume positive intent. So when I think about different types of healthcare institutions and how they are recruiting new healthcare talent, when I look at those job descriptions and how they're going about recruiting that talent, sometimes I can see like clear bias, but oftentimes it's just that I think there's a lack of education, a lack of awareness, and in some ways they're just not even thinking about how this could be coming across or what they're missing out on by not having inclusive language in those job postings. I want to say that someone with a disability applying for a job is not unrealistic to their own disability. 
And I think that they've already put themselves through the horrible critiques that all humans put themselves through. Even more so because they have this pressure not to fail and fail in front of people that they don't want to be embarrassed in front of. So now imagine them critiquing themselves to the point of saying, okay, I'm going to get through this program. I've gotten through this program. I've now passed. They've done everything they thought that they could never do. They've critiqued to the point where what what part of the profession would be the hardest and then how they've been able to handle or shift around that and presenting in front of it in a, a place where they're going to interview for whatever institution that they're at and then having that bias thrown back at them again to say, oh, we don't think you can do it or we, we're not sure if we can we can put you there, or you're an infection risk, or you're this, that, and the third. All of these technical standards that we want to implement. You have to be able to lift 50 pounds. But those technical standards are business standards. How much is the business willing to pay for things that are going to make your job easier? That's the first thing. Let's not take on what business standards are to the nursing profession. The nursing profession is built on being able to care for a patient. That is not saying that we have to lift the patient. That is not saying that the patient's, you know, ability to get in and from a machine is our issue. No, that's the business's issue. The business needs to make these things accessible and non-discriminatory. We as nurses need to be able to say, well, if this nurse is coming in and they're interviewing for this job, they've already critiqued what they can and cannot do. Let's give them the chance to prove the point. Give a few examples of how businesses can make accommodations in a few specific settings, like give a few specifics, because I think it's important for them to actually understand the changes that they would have to implement and how maybe they're not that difficult to do, but it makes a huge difference. I'm, I'm sorry I'm laughing because you know why? That EEOC statement that's at the bottom of every single employer's website, we're equal opportunity. How do you plan for that? Who's on the board that says that we are planning for not only women, women of color, we're planning for men, we're planning for all of the things that are going to happen, who are veterans, any skin color, any gender, who plans for that? Example wise, let's start by actually enforcing like, like the 504 plans and the ADA, because then you're actually preparing for the people that you're going to be treating. You walk into, and, and this is just me using as a hospital setting because I'm in and out of hospitals as a patient. So from the patient viewpoint, this is where I'm going to give you. If your patients can't get their mobility devices into the bathroom, how do you expect your workers to be able to go in and out comfortably? If your units have rooms that are overpiled with things that you need, so IV poles, chairs for guests, garbage bins, machinery, and you don't have the room to functionally get around that room by yourself just walking imagine the patient trying to get around that room and how much of a fall risk that now becomes uh why is it that i can't access a bathroom that's physically big enough for my wheelchair which means that now my wheelchair is pretty small and standard someone with a scooter or a motorized wheelchair would not be able to get into what about someone who is deaf or hard of hearing being able to access information readily available. It's not. Um, so those are examples on the business level. Like, hey, just enforce your ADA levels at a higher rate than being stuck in 1990, because that's when that bill was signed. 
and we're in 2023 and we're still not up to standard in most hospitals. So we're in that EEOC statement. Did we say as a business that we've planned for this? I think that that is a great point that if your facility is up to code in terms of ADA, Mm -hmm. then technically Mm -hmm. you are also up to code in terms of having employees who have disabilities as well. Right. So I think that's a great call out. (laughs) I'm not entirely sure who's responsible for that. I just think that there is a lack of awareness, a lack of understanding, a lack of preparation for patients and staff. So let's like start there. Right now is when understanding language is different and implementing language so that you can definitely help best not only your future and current employees, but your patient care. It is treating people with just respect, dignity, equality. Uh, these are the basics, right? These are the, the, this is like the basics of humanity. Yeah. Right. If we just remember what it is to be human and honor that. Particularly in nursing, because that, that is our foundation. Our foundation is that human instinct to care. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I'll ask you probably one, one last question. If you were looking at a job description and in the beginning it's saying to you, this is what we stand for, this is our mission, this is our vision, but this is what we actually do as a facility. I guess let's talk about how you would have to feel as you were reading that bio. If I'm being completely honest, I don't know anymore. Remember, you know, I went through those 76 interviews. I've read all of these job descriptions before, they don't change very much um, at all, even from then to now. I think I'm already emotionally and intellectually scarred from anything that kind of would even make me want to jump up and down because of the fact that everything is at face value for me at this point, because I don't see that work in progress. If I wanted to create this perfect utopia, um, I'd be taking like bits and pieces of what one school is doing and what one institution is doing and, you know, what one person is doing and then what one organization is putting together. And for me, those are like the Neil- the Craig Nielsen Foundation and the Craig Hospital or University of Michigan with their disability center uh, and Dr. Okolami at the head of that. Um, and then it's the Shepherd Center in Georgia or, you know, Walter Reed as a, as a VA hospital, um, as a, as a college, I don't know any college right now or any nursing program that's willingly saying we accept students with disabilities. Maybe that's what it is. I need a bright neon sign <laughs> on the front of them that say we accept all disabilities, not just accept it, but actually have in place all accommodations for for disabilities of all sorts and willing to work with all disabilities of all sorts. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what I need. I, I, I We have to get away from things like, well, we accept it or we tolerate it or we, do, you know, embracing something and and being open and interested in having those different opinions, different perspectives, different abilities. That is what makes us a better institution. For patients and for employees. Right. And I think that that's exactly what you said. You said, I need a neon sign that says, we want you. Yeah. 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 You're wanted. And that is different. 
That is definitely more than the face value of an EEOC statement. (laughs) We have to look at countries that do prioritize people and that they look at that first, first, and then everything they do, they put against this mission and this vision to be people first. And when we do that, we will not be having these conversations anymore. Yeah. Which would be a welcome day. Yeah, that, that's the hope, right? That, that all these nonprofits that are fighting for all of this social justice, equality, equity, all of it, that one day they would be non-existent. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that you can't be profitable. See, people people have this like weird concept. They're like, oh, but if we focus here on the people... Well, you know, we we won't be profitable or we won't thrive in terms of economy. And no, that's not true. That is absolutely not true. And that there are loads of examples out there about how you can have a very thriving society by focusing in on people first. And I think that that is really a huge takeaway from today's messaging. Yeah. Thank you so, so much for spending your time with me today. And it has been one of my greatest honors and privileges to be here with you. Well, hello there, Felicia Sadler. How are you? Fantastic. And how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you. Oh my gosh. It's been so fun doing those webinars with you. Yeah, definitely. So we're going to talk about the perfect fit, which I I always chuckle a little bit when I say this because I'm always like, the (laughs) perfect, huh? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, is there such a thing as the perfect fit? Um, And really, Recently, I was like, okay, maybe we should make the analogy to like a dating app. You know, it's like, how many times are you swiping right? And how many times are you swiping left? There's probably a lot of lefts. There's probably a lot of just like, no, 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 no. And then you're suddenly like, ah, hmm, yes, or maybe, right? Go to the right. And so what I want to explore with you is what does that maybe look like for you? You know, as a nurse, you're swiping through these opportunities hmm. and you're like, huh, I'm going to swipe right on that opportunity. Yeah. What does that look like to you? You know, I think um, for many individuals, you know, when you're looking for a job, when you're, when you're a nurse, you're looking for a job. If you've had experience, you're basing your decision on past experiences and what you know you you don't want, and then you know what you do want. Um, if you're a new nurse, it's a little more challenging because you haven't experienced really anything other than clinicals, um, and really those are limited today. I think that when you look at the open positions, it mo- it needs to align with your passion and your purpose, what you're interested in as well as looking at all of those critical components around work-life balance, scheduling, and of course, pay. So those are some of the the top things that come to my mind around that. And then I would also add to that culture, you know, does this organization, is their mission, vision, and values aligned with where I want to go with my career? Will they support me in my career? So they look at the support that they're going to be given and provided. 
hopefully they know someone that works in the organization. References are always great. So if you have someone that's experienced that culture, they can share and you can ask questions as well. So I think all of those things kind of are top of mind for me. Yeah, I, I agree. A while back when I had Holly Blue, we did a survey of nurses and uh, number one was pay. And I just want to say like, for anyone who's sitting out there going, oh, you know, they're just money hungry. Well, that's not true. First of all, you just, everybody deserves to get compensated for the work that they do and and make a livable wage. And, you know, also the amount of risk that you take as a professional should be reflected in the amount of compensation you get. You know, are you in a situation where you're risking your life? And, and recently in COVID, that was the case. You were potentially risking your life. Also with like violence in the workplace, it can be very violent. You know, you can risk getting injured. And so that compensation needs to be considered. Second, though, when we did this survey was appreciation from management. And I think appreciation in general. But I do think appreciation, what does appreciation look like too? Like it's not a pizza party. No, you really need to personalize any recognition and rewards that you provide, um, acknowledging specific skills, specific things, actions that they take, things that they they do do because that's part of their nature, if you will, and part of what they they do in their care uh, environment. Recognizing those, picking up on those, what we they would consider smaller things, but you recognize them as a nurse leader or nurse manager. Those are absolutely essential. And then rewarding them appropriately. We do have, I mean, there are rewards within um, and awards that are given out in in organizations, Daisy Award and and the like. But then there's the day-to-day as well that I think really needs to be recognized, not just as an individual, but among their team, their colleagues, and really the organization and how they impact the organization. What does that impact have on the patient experience, on clinical outcomes? I think the more we connect the dots in that respect, the more meaningful it becomes and the more others will kind of see that and hopefully mimic that as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. I also would love to know your opinion on just allowing these nurses to really gain access to maybe some of the really great feedback that patients are giving. Yes, yes. I think it's really important. I think sometimes you take care of somebody for two, three days and and then maybe you you discharge them and right. you never hear. You never hear that this thing that you did or this moment that you took or uh, the time you spent with them really resonated. Absolutely. And I think even even beyond just them filling out surveys, but that when the leaders round, you know, leaders should be rounding on the patients um, periodically. And so when the when the patients or families and caregivers and, and physicians and colleagues, anyone who compliments that nurse and being very specific in what they said makes a world of difference. Those, you know, nurses really appreciate that. I know I always appreciated to get feedback from my managers, even from patients and families directly, but indirectly is even better because that's what they're saying when you're not present, right? And so um, there's there's so much value to that. And it really kind of keeps you going. It keeps you, you, you're like, okay, I'm making a difference today. I made a difference in this, this individual's life. I've even had families contact me 10, 20 years beyond the time I, t- I cared for their loved one, 
they remember things I didn't even remember and actually would call me, you know, I knew they knew me in the community and would call me to let me know they really appreciated that. That's, you know, that means that's just like getting a trophy, <laughs> you know, um, for all your hard work. So. Absolutely. And and we have things like the Daisy Award and mm-hmm. and and there there are these really great opportunities where patients have the ability to nominate someone or your colleagues have the ability to nominate you. But people could work decades and and never get a Daisy Award, right? So you really do have to have those day-to-day things that allow a nurse to know that they're making an impact. Yes. Because if you don't think you're making an impact, you're not going to stay in this. Right. It's It can be very challenging because it, you you will easily get burnt out if you feel like that you're not, if you don't see your contributions making a difference and there's not any recognition um, and visibility to what you do. And I think, too, with the patient acuity today, we have so much turnover. You know, patients don't stay as long as what they once did. So there's not a time, there's not a, a long enough runway, if you will, to build those longer relationships that you would have normally been recognized. It's very short, quick turnaround. So any quick wins, any quick recognition or acknowledgement will pay off. It will be cumulative in the long run. So if if you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'm going to write that really great job post and I'm going to talk about how great our organization is so that the nurse that's reading this just wants to swipe right yeah. on our on on our job post. What would it say about all that stuff? Everything we just talked about. Tell them how to write it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well you know, you mentioned authenticity. So certainly being very transparent um, and being true to your core competencies. So organizations have core competencies that they follow. And you want to make sure that those are what you're able to really put those forward. Partnerships and visibility in the community, ensuring that you're able to recognize how you partner with the community, how you impact outcomes, quality awards, um, different recognitions that the organizations have received, such as for nurse residency, PTAP accreditation, as one example, to let them know that these are ways in which we support our staff. We have a place for you if this is what you're interested in. These are our core competencies. And I think it goes even beyond the job posting, ensuring that you're giving that personal touch throughout and engagement that you're augmenting that engagement process throughout the recruitment all the way to, um, you know, to the interview and then beyond so that you demonstrate that pre-hire, pre-selection, but then also that you've got that on the back end where it's, it doesn't stop. It doesn't stop just because you've signed, you know, on the dotted line. Yeah. It's like suddenly the courting is not over just because you got married. Yeah. Tying this back to a nice dating app feel. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it, there is there is a relationship there, a little bit different, but there is a connection or, and, and should be a relationship engagement. And then you should always keep it fresh that, you know, if you if you relate it to kind of, you know, marriage, there's always should, there always should be a honeymoon. You know, that doesn't stop. You should always continually connect, engage and then grow those that come in your organization. So it should be stagnant just because they feel a particular position, ensuring that they see a clear career growth path. They see themselves in your organization. They see that they have a place to grow and you're going to help them get from point A to point B. And here's how you do it. I love, I love that. And the thing that really stood out to me at the very beginning of that was transparency. 
you know, I think it's so important when you come to the table and you go, look, we're not perfect. You know, we're not. Yeah. But we are dedicated to getting better, to moving the needle, to striving to thrive, right? Like to, which by the way, spoiler alert, we're trying to like, you know, create like an award that's like called Strive to Thrive, where we can really look at these organizations and say, they are putting their best foot forward. They're trying, they're learning, they're dedicated to really empowering their workforce and their leadership and everything. It's a journey. Um, You know, we think about journey to to clinical excellence. You know, you can get to zero in an organization, zero harm, but sustaining that is another whole nother level. It's always a journey. Um, And it's the same thing with workforce excellence. It's a journey. We're on a journey to always improve, always get better and take er the feedback from the workforce, inputting that into our strategic, our strategies and ensuring that we're always improving. There could be, you know, maybe in some way, something where the nurses could be really proud to wear something in some way, like if you hit a number or you have a really good year or something like that, uh, where you could say, you know, we've exceeded or, you know, this is a safe place, like where patients and nurses and healthcare workers could feel like I work in a really safe environment and I can feel really confident about letting the patients know that this is a safe place for them to receive their care and to heal. Yeah, completely agree. And um, we they can do that, and, and many do, especially on their websites. But I think we could um, even relay that to the patients as they're coming in the door to understand the CMS star ratings and the um, the the Leapfrog awards that you know they're in the top 100 health you know health hospitals and health systems in the country by U.S. News. There's a lot of different places. Joint Commission accreditation. What does that mean? Well, that means we you know we follow blah blah blah. So having some descriptors for the layperson would be really good, so they better understand the awards and the accolades the health system does hold. Yeah. yeah. Maybe a Strive to Thrive award winner for 2024. That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're making it up as we go along. <laughs> this is an infomercial <laughs> for Strive to Thrive. I literally, it has not been created yet, but the goal is to really create something like this. So, um, I mean, recognition is absolutely um, essential and understanding the criteria of what you get for that, you know, what you need to accomplish and the elements of performance for that recognition is is important as we think about communicating that out. Absolutely. There's got to be something out there that, you know, is is something that we're willing to engage in and we're willing to try. And even if it's moving, sometimes, you know, if you're young and you don't have a family yet and you're you're like, you know what, maybe I want to lo- move to Alaska because they have this really great opportunity or something like that. I think being willing to explore those new regions and those new areas and knowing that in the United States, the laws are different in different places. And sometimes that creates a better environment depending on what you're looking for. So just, you know, being willing to travel if you can. Some people can't. Right. I think, you know, for, for me, I think back to early in my career, I was one of the nur- those nurses that did a lot of different things because I got bored in a particular role, I'm like, okay, I've done this. I'm coming in doing the same thing day in and day out. I need a challenge. 
I was always looking for a challenge. Um, and I think that for those, those types of individuals to seek out opportunities and challenges where they can really grow and thrive. And it really wasn't until I went back to school and, you know, pursued my, my bachelor's and my, my master's that I really was able to, it opened up so many more doors uh, for me to be able to, to grow at the, at the pace that I needed to grow in. But um, I loved the initial, you know, the clinical specialty area that I worked in initially was CVICU, loved it. Um, absolutely did. But I even got bored in that role, you know, over, over a period of years, of course, but just needed more. So I think for a yeah. lot, of, it may be traveling for some, they may just need different locations, a different setting. Yep. Yeah. You have to know yourself. I, I think that what I hear you saying is, is it kind of does start with getting to know yourself because if you don't know who am I, what do I like? What fills me up? What makes me feel like I'm living and thriving, you're not going to know how to find that match, right? If you love going to the beach uh, and you don't really realize that about yourself, maybe you're not going to select that job that's maybe close to the coast or something like that. You're going to be in like the middle, you know, middle of America. (laughs) It's like that's you're probably not going to be too happy. So I I think that that's a, a really good point to to make sure that you really understand yourself and and understand that you're someone that needs a lot of challenge. You want to challenge yourself. I think that's a really, really great point because it takes two. You can't just be like, oh, look at all these jobs and none of them are a good fit for me. And it's like, well, you have a responsibility to play here as well. Like you have to know what will be a good fit for you. Yeah. And that comes with age too, sometimes like just being, uh, living a little longer. (laughs) Right. I mean, initially there's a passion for nursing and I think that organizations can help to get individuals there a little bit sooner about where their best fit is and what their career path might be by understanding them and helping them to understand themselves, to have that self-interest, that introspection and Mm -hmm. self-awareness. And so that's, you know, I think it's important to make those connections and help the individuals make those as well. Hey there, nurses and nursing students. We know your job isn't just a profession. It's a calling. Now, with Nurse.com, your nurse life is all in one place. Imagine a world where career opportunities are tailored to your skills where you can find peer support in the Nurse.com app, the only networking site built specifically for nurses. Continuing education, events, peer support, and jobs? What more can you ask for? Ready to take the leap into a role that is truly yours? Check out nurse.com forward slash jobs today. Holly Kalua, oh, you did your hair and you're all cute. <laughs> I love it. I know. Th- this is what happens. This is like the messy bun thing. Uh-huh. The thing that's been outlawed at some of the hospitals where they're like, we're going to write a policy about messy buns. No. Yeah. Hair's out of the way. That's a real thing. Yeah. They've said, please, you know, no messy buns. And it was like, what? Come on. Mm-hmm. We got to look at other things, not messy buns. Mm-hmm. So today, my friend, 
Holly Kalua. Yes. <laughs> I, I can't believe you've asked me on your podcast. This is so exciting. Oh my gosh. I love talking to you. I really enjoy talking to you. First of all, I'm going to say you're one of our ambassadors at nurse.com. You're kind of an OG ambassador. You've been around for a minute. Yeah. Um, how do you like it so far? How is it for you? I, I like it because the leadership <laughs> and um, it's, it's a place to be yourself. You don't have policies and procedures. You don't have politics. Um, we're not in an echo chamber. We come together with collaborative, unique thoughts and ideas, and it's just easy to be there. I love that. What what a great, that's going to be our tagline, nurse.com. It's easy to be here. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I think we should use that. Um, <clears throat> well, that's a wonderful endorsement of nurse.com and the ambassador program. Mm -hmm. And and who doesn't love Patty Wheeler? Patty Wheeler is uh, yes. in, in charge of our ambassador program and she's fantastic. So Yesterday I entered, because this is a, a little bit of a collage of people that were interviewing mm -hmm. about the perfect fit. And, and I, I laugh every time I say it because I'm like, <laughs> the no pressure, fit. but you're showing up as the perfect there's fit. No, yeah, <laughs> there, there's no real perfect fit, like when it comes to finding that, finding a job, right? Like finding that career opportunity. I mean, I guess like, it's not true that there's like not a perfect fit, but in healthcare, it is challenging right now. And um, yesterday when I was talking to Felicia about this, I made the analogy and I said, if you had to look at looking for a job, kind of like a dating app where more, more times you're swiping, swiping left. No. <laughs> yeah, you're swiping left more than you're probably swiping right. Mm -hmm. What are the things that would stand out to you mm -hmm. that would make you want to swipe right on a job? You know, kind of thing. Uh, I am the creative, innovative type. So if if they presented a job that said this is our goal. This is what we want to accomplish. We don't know how we're going to get there. We'd love your ideas and, and leadership and helping us. Try. So then it's like, oh, cool. I can make a difference and be creative. Um, you know, the worst for me is policies, procedures, Excel sheets, um, where something has to be exact all the time, forever, every day. <laughs> Can't do it. Yeah. I need variety. Yeah, variety. I, do you get bored easily? I I am never bored. Okay. But I always have a few plates spinning <laughs> that I'm keeping up. So I don't have time to get bored. You know, I, I have, I'm an ambassador. I have a job. I'm getting ready to get back into school for my master's in nursing. So no time to be a uh, and I'm a mother of a 14 year old and a wife. Um, so yeah. Yeah. You definitely don't have any time to be bored. Right. Right. But, but, it, but like you said, you seek out opportunities where you can explore new things within that environment. Would that, would that be true? Yes. Yeah. Okay. 
So if somebody was going to be writing a job description or, you know, they were trying to get you to come and work for them, Mm -hmm. what would that, what what would that look like? Like, you know, if, if, if you're on a dating app, it's like, I like long walks on the beach and I like to walk my dog and, uh, you know, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, so actually the beach, you, you had me at beach. <laughs> so you would like a place that is on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> I just got back from uh, Dana Point well watching and we were right in the middle of a dolphin stampede. And I'm like, I love the ocean. I have to be close to the ocean. But reality is... um. I have a, a daughter with shared custody. I'm in Sonoma County. So I have to balance my ideal. And I almost had my ideal was a job in Hawaii um, that was remote. So I was going to fly to Hawaii. Can you imagine? Oh, got to go check in um, quarterly. And um, but then they realized I didn't have my bachelor's is in I have a bachelor's in health administration and a bachelor's in management but not nursing. And they didn't realize that until after a year of talking <laughs> that um, it's a magnet hospital. So they couldn't, couldn't hire me for the job. And uh, so I'm back in school getting my master's, um, uh, you know, not necessarily to get that job, but to open up my opportunities. Um, I like working with people over process. I taking taking teams. I need to be in um, a team leadership, not for the power and control. You know, people here. Oh, I want to be a leader, but I I like to lead. I I do not like managing, and um, it's about inspiring, getting mm-hmm. people to understand that vision, and um, you know, crazy things. So I had. Uh, a, I guess, I don't know if I can go off on a little story. Sure you can. Of course you can. We are, it's like story time with Kara. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I should have brought my cocoa then. (laughs) For sure. So what I did was I was in charge of case management and um, we have challenges discharging patients timely, getting doctors to write orders, sniffs to take them. And we had a new VP assigned to us and he was from psych. So he didn't have that same understanding of case management. And I told my team, I said, we have to do something significant. So he knows us and he knows what our challenges are. And I said, I just heard that he loves the movie Matrix. So I want to do a a Matrix orientation for him. And they're like, what? You're crazy. I said, listen, we're going to. We're going to dress up like um, Matrix. We're going to run like our own little mini case management movie. And he will never forget what our challenges are, who we are. And when budget comes, he won't be cutting us. And and they told me later, they're like, you really scared us. We thought you were losing it. But they loved it. We, we, uh, we you know, we're dressed up in Matrix. I put a phone in an envelope and had it there. So when the VP came in to work, his assistant said, oh, you, this package you're supposed to open before your next meeting. He opens it and we said, uh, and I had IT in to put an analog port um, in his office. They let me do that. <laughs> so he plugged the phone in 
And um, we had somebody call him and uh, say, follow the white rabbit. One of the staff had her white rabbit. He followed her. He's like, this is so exciting. I don't know what's going on. And we're like, you know, we're all serious matrix people. We took him up to maintenance. We had maintenance guy behind the fence and he's, he's put his blue jelly bean and his red jelly bean and um, had him choose. Do you want to know the truth? And then we had him, we went to the kitchen and case managers cooking cookies, pretending like she's smoking. You know, so we had these different scenes and his assistant called and said, your next meeting is ready. He goes, you got to reschedule. I am not leaving this. And so then we took him down, you know, we had covered our office and we talked about the machines on the Westgate machines or, you know, and all of our different challenges. And, uh, then we had the red jelly beans on his desk when he went back and, um, he, he just said this, that was the most incredible experience he'd ever had in his healthcare leadership and he'll never forget it. And so after they're like, that was so incredible. We were so glad to be part of it. We did it for a hundred bucks and some of our time. And uh, so anyway, when I say innovative, creative, I am not saying let's change the color scheme. <laughs> it's that. Oh, Holly, you, you have just earned yourself the, when we do an ambassador retreat, which we're planning to do in 2024, uh -huh. uh, you are for sure going to be in charge of that. Like you're, you're, you need to like, you're not maybe not in charge of it, but you have to like do some kind of like awesome, I don't know, escape room or I, whatever you want to do. Okay. That is amazing. Like, that's just amazing that you thought to do that. And I think we, we need more of that. We need, we need more of that. So, so when you talk about looking for an environment where you're able to be you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if you were to read a job posting and it said, we really empower and encourage our staff mm -hmm. to be innovative, to be creative, uh, to think outside the box to come up with solutions, that would be something that would resonate with you. Yes. Yes. Um, there is a uh, Southern California university who has um, transformative or transformative, how you say, leadership in disruptive times. And so they ask if I wanted to, to go through the program and then be an advisor. And I'm like, leadership, disruptive times, innovative, transformative, I'm there. So um, I, I've been enjoyed that. So I, I love, I'm an editor more than that's the, the strange thing. I'm very creative, but I have, I need something to work with. So when he said, I love matrix, I'm like, okay, I have something to work with that I know is meaningful. If, if, um, if you ask me to design something without something to work with, that it's not as easy for me. I can edit PowerPoints versus, so anyway. I always think that for me personally, I, I have to feel a sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. Creativity, I think, is really important. Innovation, being forward thinking, uh, being able to look at things in a very holistic way. 
mm-hmm. really important to me. If somebody were to just say to me, oh, you know, just do your job, like just stay in your lane. That's probably Ooh. one of like my, I, I hate that phrase. I hate yes. like stay in your lane. It really, I understand to some extent why it's important to, mm-hmm. you know, not necessarily be all over the place or stepping on other people's toes. I, I get it. And trusting that other people know how to do their jobs and and not micromanaging and stuff like that. I, I think that that's important. But, you know, staying in your lane, I think, puts people in a box and it tells them that they have to just be this one thing. And if you're a nurse, it's like, hey, look, just look at the orders, assess the orders, assess the patient, collaborate with your team, but don't be dabbling over here in these other areas, you know, reimbursement or looking at how we order supplies or what our cost is and stuff like that. I think it's really important that as leaders, we embrace that and we encourage it. We encourage people to ask questions and be curious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So looking for an environment like that, so if you had to list out like your, let's just say you're like your top five, right? Like that, you know, it looks, you're, you're looking at this like it's a dating profile. Mm-hmm. You're trying to decide if you want to even go on the first date, mm-hmm. right? With this organization. You want to just, do you even want an interview, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. What would be like your top five things that they that they would put in there that would entice you? Um, flexible schedule. <laughs> And that's the thing is, I think the perfect job, it depends on when in your life you're looking at it because your priorities shift. So, you know, you can't frame that perfect job and and just keep it on your wall and I'm going to get that perfect job because it changes. Right now, I need to be able to, you know, take my daughter to school. And so I what I have now is I work from home so I can take her to school, pick her up. That's important. Um, but I also get to travel. If you say work from home with intermittent travel, I'm like, that's the best of both worlds. I love travel and I love working from home. And so I just, uh, flew out. Uh, I was gone for a week for a client assessment, met with them. So I have that people part where I get to connect and it's real. And then I work on the project and, um, and, and being able to contribute, I think what happens is people get so excited about their job because they're told when they're hired, you're exactly what we're looking for. But then they put them in that box or they don't appreciate the skills that they've hired. So my, my thing is I want something that I can look ahead, be proactive. Uh, Too many times I'm told, don't worry about that. Same thing. Don't worry about that. You think, and, and we're now six months down the line and what I was thinking about, we actually needed to have in place. <laughs> so um, it's, it's it, the empowerment word and a lot of advertisement, both in dating apps and in job, it doesn't always align to reality. Some people have better marketing <laughs> skills and enticing than, uh, than when you get there. So um I I need transparent transparency. Huge. That's why we talk about it, right? Because sometimes you don't think about it and you don't have these. I love I love Brene Brown. 
and I say her name all the time because one of these days, one of these days, I'm going to interview her for this podcast. I, this is on my vision board mm-hmm. in my head is Brene Brown yes. on the Nurse Stop podcast. Okay. But one of the things that I love about her is really about emotional literacy and mm-hmm. really being able to identify and this came up in in the last interview that I did with Felicia about how we need to know ourselves because if you don't know yourself, then you don't know, you, you can't possibly find the right job for you because you don't know what's important to you, Absolutely. where your what your priorities are. And being able to like sit with that and, and go, transparency. It came up in the last interview too, transparency. Mm-hmm. You know, just be honest, just say, you know, we're working on it. We're not perfect. We're a work in progress, but we value these things and we are constantly working towards safer staffing, you know, safer work environments. We're constantly working towards prioritizing mental health of our employees, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I agree with you a hundred percent. Like I can deal with real, but mm-hmm. but don't make it seem like it's this really wonderful place. And then you get there and you're like, okay, come on, y'all. <laughs> well, I, I think we keep saying transparency because we don't get it most of the time. And so as a consultant, uh, my experience is the the hospitals are like, oh, because <laughs> I'm very transparent. And, you know, and I'll straight up say, okay, I'm very transparent, honest. I'm going to do what you've hired me to do. So I'm not going to tell you maybe what you want to hear or what a classic consultant might package it up. I'm just going to shoot from, this is what I see. This is what you can do differently. And they're like, you know, the last year's um, client, like it was, they were in New York and, and they're used to fancy consultants. And they said, we've never had, you know, our money's worth like we've had this time. So I really encourage my staff. um, So you want to have a culture of safety and a culture of safety is I can communicate that I think you're about to slice off the wrong leg or um, I'm just curious. I had, I had mentioned something and, and I haven't seen a response. So there's a wide range of culture of safety and, and being heard. And so I, you know, I try and encourage staff who are used to, when I go in, they're like, are you here to fire me? And I'm like, wow, <laughs> this is our first meeting. Um, should I? And uh, so, you know, I said, whatever is the past is the past. I'm here now. And, you know, we're going to have dynamic conversations on how we can improve the process and whichever. I said, if you don't tell me what's bothering you or what's not right in the program or the process, I don't know how to fix it. And and you're going to be frustrated. I want all of your energy into looking forward to coming to work and doing what your skills are. I mean, living to your skill set. And if it's not, then let me know and we'll do something different. And so I've had people move, uh, assigned to different hospitals, change. Um, I've had people apply for one job. I had two people applying for two different jobs. And I said, I I think your skills match the opposite. Do you mind if I trade and put you guys in the opposite? And they're like, well, you know the job better. And they both love their job. So if people are transparent, 
then the bosses can be transparent and it's a full circle of success and and some people it's not it doesn't work and they need to go somewhere else and that's okay um yep. so tell tell us really quick because i i don't think i i i didn't do a great job of introducing you so i want to make sure i mean i did say that you're an ambassador for nurse.com and all of that but and and obviously we know that you you have a lot of other things because we know you have a fourteen year old and a, you know and which is all really important stuff. Uh, but when you're talking about the job that you do, what what is the job that you do? So my current specialty is I'm a revenue cycle. <laughs> and so when you start talking about revenue, I'm a revenue cycle consultant um, with case management experience. But my um, primary is clinical documentation integrity. And so if, um, if a hospital, when you look on um, the uh, hospital compare and you have these stars, hospitals have so many stars. If you only have one star, <laughs> that means you're the worst hospital to go to in the area. Um, you want five stars. Well, unless all the other hospitals are one star. So we help you see where you're not capturing your documentation. Mortalities. Um, physicians got used to, I had one surgeon says, I will only write four lines. That's it. And so there was a lot of information that was missing. <laughs> and so documentation is capturing what's the true picture of what uh, that stay, how sick that patient is. And it reflects the good care that hospitals have um, in public profiles, and it helps hospitals get the reimbursement they deserve. So so we help both um, quality and and finances. That's great. I have to talk to you more about that because I think that there's going to be some really interesting conversations around reimbursement. And I don't know if you, did you listen to the podcast, the one with Rebecca Love, where it was about nurse reimbursement? The oh, oh yes, yes. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. And I, it's like, go girl, what has taken us so long to do that? Right. I know. I know. So yeah, I would love to, I'd love to pick your brain a little bit more uh, uh, about that one. But you know, this, this has just been, I always love talking to you. I think you are just a very interesting person. And I love that you've used your nursing degree license to do things that are maybe away from the bedside, you know, that you've moved into these area, these other areas. What are all the areas that you worked in prior to this? Just so that I have like a full picture yeah, of you so for the back in podcast. my day when I graduated, <laughs> <laughs> um, nurses couldn't get a job. They were super picky. You had to, you had to take a math test and a pharmacology test and all that to get in the hospital after you had SNF experience. And so it's actually my first job in skilled nursing where the director left and they said, Hey, can you cover and take her job? I'm like, I've been out of school for three months and you want me to run the skill. And, but that's where I learned about reimbursement. If you don't document what you do, you won't be reimbursed appropriately. So they had me overturn all of her losses. Um, so I, I carried that as I went to med surge, ICU, dialysis, always knowing there's this reimbursement connection and it's, um, you know, it's important. And, and when we use supplies, when we document, 
we help our hospital stay open and stay successful. Um, where the reason why I went away from the bedside is um, I was a labor and delivery nurse and uh, moved a, a patient post-op C-section. So she was just, you know, so I moved, I was on one side by myself, the other two nurses on the other side, and we were supposed to go halfway. So, so nurses, please, when you communicate, this, you change someone's life if you are not careful. I, I was like, okay, halfway, halfway, yeah, halfway. So I got halfway and they yanked her the full way. And of course I had a tight grip and it pulled my shoulders. And, um, yeah. And, and labor and delivery is what I wanted to do my entire life. Um, and, and, and that's what I would say uh, to nurses, whether you're, you're new, you're experienced, or you're trying to decide when you get to retire, you are still in charge of your career. While it feels like you get laid off, you get hurt and, and, and you're losing control. You haven't lost control. You, you need to just reboot and pivot. So had I stayed in labor and delivery, which was my love, I wouldn't have been able to make the difference that I do now and went into case management. And I found that my, the best patient for me is actually a staff member rather than a patient. And that's where I can make the biggest impact. And like you said, it needs innovative, but it needs to make an impact. And <clears throat> so I'm always like, does this make sense? Can we do this differently? And I, um, uh, my other thing about jobs is you can create your own job. I've created half of my jobs. I went to an interview. So we, we had, um, a merger that's quite off, uh, popular now. <laughs> it's the merger. I went in as a case management director, um, uh, applicant because they didn't have clinical documentation. So when I was in there, I said, yeah, yeah, I do case management. I said, can I also tell you what I do now and what I think our corporation needs? And they said, wow, okay, can I use the whiteboard? I got, I'm right in the middle of the interview, I get up on the whiteboard and I show the org structure and I said, you need um, a corporate CDI director to lead our 18 hospitals at the time. And they're like, well, yeah, we don't have that. Okay. So I, I created, created that job. Um, and in the SNF, I created my lead RN job. So, so even if you aren't in the perfect job, you can look to how you can make it better. If, if you're not able to switch, you can improve, uh, I, so many of my jobs, um, the case management lead job created, and then, um, so I, I guess I would say, um, be intentional about your career. Don't take another job because you make a dollar fifty more. Um, does it? And and I think what you said is so important about knowing yourself. So um, wh when I was laid off, I went and did different things. I got my real estate license. I got disc profile. So that's understanding your personality. And if, if you understand, wow, I'm an SC in the disc thing, that's why people make me so uncomfortable when they try and get me up front. That's not my, that's not who I am. And they make fun of me when I say, 
I want it correct. Well, that's just who you are. So when you pick jobs, know that that's, that's a field that taps into your talents because you'll expend so much energy when you are working out of your natural skill set. And skill set isn't necessarily like you can be good at something, but that isn't natural and it takes more energy. So I, I you know, I think so, so many people, if they just stop and analyze, why do they do what they do and, and how does it make them feel? I realized I didn't like taking care of sick patients. And I thought, oh my goodness, I'm in the wrong field. <clears throat> and I just, I went, okay, I, I'm not into wounds. I'm not into this and that. I'm like, okay, do I need to get out of nursing? No. So I went, I, I finally landed my labor and delivery job, but then case management and CDI and, and look at you, you're in charge of nurse.com. Who would have thought a nurse would be in charge of, you know, an app and, and you're so cool. You're not, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you are your classic, you know, I've had a few people, you know, step on my shoulders on the way up of the corporate ladder. That's not your way. You are collaborative and, and you're such an example of what collaborative nursing can do. And you still can excel, um, being you. So you, you can absolutely excel being yourself. Mm-hmm. And I will say that when you look at me against the thousand other people at Relias, because uh, we have like a thousand people, we have a, a whole cross section. I will say that the very creative people tend to be the ones with the blue hair, the green hair, or something like that. But when I came in and I was and I took this role as the VP, and I looked at all the other VPs within the organization, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm the tattooed, pierced, <laughs> mohawk wearing, like, you know, no, and, it's, and not blue. Like, <laughs> it's not blue. I mean, yeah, my hair's not blue, but I was like, I don't look like everybody else. I don't act like everybody else. Mm -hmm. um, but my colleagues will tell me all the time that they are so happy that I am not like everybody else and that I am myself and yes. that I have just maintained that um, because there's no one else you can be other than you. And that is what makes you, it's what makes you unique and it's what brings something to the organization. If you're not yourself, you're depriving them of something potentially great. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I definitely agree with you that knowing yourself and really tapping into that and then also trying to create the job that you want, mm -hmm. build the life you want to live and create the career you want to have, uh, it's totally doable. You've done it. I've done it. We are the proof <laughs> that it can be done. And so I really appreciate you being here with me. And um, I'm excited about this, this episode because I think it's something that weighs on people's minds a lot. And mm -hmm. they're like, I really want to stay in nursing. I, I love being a nurse. I want to enjoy the environment that I work in. And I think that part of what we do on this podcast is we try to empower people. And I think you did that. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. It's been such a privilege. 
(laughs) (laughs) Till next time, my friend. All right. Have a great day. You too. Bye. Bye. If you are a nurse or nursing student who enjoyed this episode, don't forget to join us on the nurse.com app where you can find the nurse.discussion group, a place where we dissect each episode in detail and delve deeper into today's topics. Nurse Dot is a nurse.com original podcast series. Production, music, and sound editing by Don Lunsford. Production coordination by Rhea Wade. Additional editing by John Wells. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in to the Nurse.Podcast. Until next time, keep spreading the love and the care.